My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. I am here with Steven Eisen. He is a serial entrepreneur in the wellness space, and I cannot wait to talk to you all about creating startups and making it in this industry, or not this industry, but this market, especially. I'd love to talk to you about, um, first of all, your first business, Lokai, and also Elements of Balance, your other business. And did I see on your Instagram that you also have involvement in Dream Pops? Yeah. I love, I love Dream Pops. (laughs) Yeah, Dream Pops are amazing. Shout out to David Greenfeld. He's one of my best friends. He's the founder and CEO. He's doing an incredible job building that company. Love it. So, okay, before we dive into everything, I'd love to hear just a little bit of your story and maybe just like your elevator uh, pitch kind of story, how you got to where you are today and and what made you want to become an entrepreneur and start many different businesses. And um, I'd love to kind of know where you came from um, versus where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, And about 13 years ago, I was on vacation with my family and friends, thinking about how lucky I was to be there in life. But that week, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And growing up, he was a huge part of my life, drove me to school every day, taught me to play golf. And so that experience really brought me to a low. And it just got me thinking about the highs and lows that I was going through in life at the time and how everyone goes through highs and lows, right? It doesn't matter your age, demographic, income level, your sex, like we all have highs and lows. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, what are the highest and lowest points on earth? Mount Everest and the Dead Sea. And how could I take elements from those two places and incorporate them into a product that people could just wear every day as a reminder to find balance in life, staying humble when you're on top of the world and hopeful when you've hit a low. Um, And from the very beginning, because of my grandfather, I always thought giving back was such an important part of finding balance. And also, like, why, why can't you build a successful business, make a lot of money and give back at the same time? And so we donate 10% of our profits to charity, and we've donated $9.4 million since we launched uh, the company. And um, yeah, at the very beginning, I told my dad this idea, and he said, that's a great idea, but everyone has great ideas. Now go execute it. And I continue to kind of use that mentality in everything I do is just like, how are you going to just go out and execute it and get it done um, instead of waiting around? So Uh, Yeah, that was kind of the start. Wow. So it just kind of happened. You didn't kind of set out to do something really different. You just saw uh, a potential opportunity with your first business and you just went for it and, and that's it. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Did you, when you were a kid, did you like want to be something when you grew up or it was just always, I don't know. I'll, I'll wait and see. Uh, I wanted to be great. You wanted I, knew, to be great. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be great at whatever I did and work hard and put my all into it. That's a great answer. I kind of feel like maybe the same a little bit when I was younger, I 
never knew what to say when people asked, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I just never knew. I was like, I want to do something different, but I don't know what it is. And I didn't really know until I realized that I was just naturally meant to to create something that had never been done before. So I feel you. Um, So obviously, you know, telling your story to an audience right now, it's like, okay, this is like the bird's eye view, what happened. But I'd love to know a bit about, you know, some of the biggest struggles that you faced when starting, because obviously it's not easy to become a successful entrepreneur. And I'd love to know, especially with the meaning behind your product um, of, you know, it being about balance and, and really just keeping in mind that there are highs and lows to everything in life. I'd love to know, like, what were some of your biggest lows and how did you get out of that? Yeah, it's a great question, you know, and I think one of the most important things as an entrepreneur, founder, CEO, um, is learning and growing how to be a leader and how to manage your team. Um, And I'd say that's one thing that took me years to really figure out. Um, At the very beginning, I was this young kid, entrepreneur, thought I knew everything, thought I could do everyone's job better than my employees. Um, And people left the company, right? I had high turnover. And it, and it took a lot of time to really learn that you need to hire great people that you trust to do their jobs, that, that you believe can do their job better than you can do it, and then give them the freedom and the runway to, to execute and use their creative skills at whatever job they have um, and really trust people. And um, I think that as well as in recent years with COVID and everyone going through things in their life, just really learning empathy and um, being there through through people's struggles and their highs and their lows. And um, yeah, just constantly thinking about them first. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, I, I totally resonate with the delegation part as well. You know, it's my business only started really growing when I started just adding more people to my team to handle things. Um, I used to feel like not... I used to want to do everything, not because I didn't think other people could do it well enough, but more because I just wanted to be in control. Um, and then when I realized that I just didn't have time to be in control anymore, um, I had to stop, which is yeah. you know obviously really good. Um, so when it when it comes to creating a business from scratch, and like when you hear the term startup, you know you think a lot about potential, like you know getting funding and that kind of stuff. Like, did you bootstrap like? all of your businesses or did you ever get funding? And do you, do you have any advice for founders listening right now or anyone listening right now that has an idea that, that doesn't really have the capital to get it off the ground? Yeah. I mean, I think um, the first thing I would think about as a, as a, someone thinking about starting a business is your product. Um, does your product really help people in their lives and make their lives easier or better um, or improve it in some way? And have you really gotten your product dialed in? I, I personally believe it doesn't matter how good your marketing is, your sales team, your branding. Like If you don't have a great product, you may be a flash in the pan, but it will go away quickly. Um, so get that right first. Um, Lokai Bootstrapped, um, Elements of Balance, which is a beverage and supplement brand that uses clinically effective levels of adaptogens um, that we recently launched. We kind of incubated it through Lokai, uh, funded it to start, and then since then have brought on additional outside capital. Cool. 
Yeah. Um, that that's really interesting to know. And I do agree with you on the product thing, you know, superhuman, my meditation app, it's been all word of mouth growth, you know, so far. And obviously I've bootstrapped the entire thing and, um, we haven't even done any paid marketing yet. So it's, it really does show like, I really do believe it's product first for sure, but I was lucky to have a bit of an audience when launching it. So the initial buzz was obviously created by that platform. Um, I wonder like, what was your like most effective marketing strategy for these businesses? Cause it, it seems like you guys have done so much in sales. And I'm just curious, like, was there one thing that, that you always go to when creating a business, when it comes to marketing, is it really just creating, um, a strong, like paid media strategy, or is it really all word of mouth? And how do you even do that if you, you know, if it's not paid? So I'd love to kind of know your, your take on that. Yeah, I think it's similar to what you said as well, right? People spreading the message organically, um, definitely based on the times, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or paid ads or like whatever channel you might be using at the time, that's like the hot new place to promote your brand. Like, great. But at the end of the day, like it's really people telling their family, their friends, the people around them about the products that they're using and what they love. Um, and that's how Lokai really started to get going. And that translated onto Instagram and people were using Instagram to talk about Lokai and their story of highs and lows, but it was really that authentic kind of personal sharing that people wanted to do with our product. Oh, that's interesting. So the product, obviously the bracelets, um, they embody the, the whole, you know, essence of the business of, the highs and lows of life. And, um, I, I like your story how, and I know you haven't said it here yet, but I was watching something else of yours to prep for this interview and, um, about the bracelets you have, uh, parts from like the dead sea for like the lows, like the lowest point on earth. And then the highest point on earth on earth is Mount Everest. And you have like something from there in the bracelet. Like, could you maybe explain that for the listeners yeah. a better concept? So if you're listening, a low kite bracelet looks like a beaded bracelet, but it's all made out of silicone. Um, and on one side, there's a white ball that holds the water from Mount Everest. And on the other side, there's a black ball that holds them up from the Dead Sea, which are the highest and lowest points on Earth. So it's yeah. that a reminder to find balance in life. Okay, cool. So then you, when you launched the product, um, did it initially just kick off really quickly? Or what was, like, was there a timeline that you had to really explain that to your customer? Because there, you can't just like put this on the shelf without any explaining, without people seeing the uniqueness of it, right? So how did you overcome that when it comes to your initial launch? Like, how did you explain it to the masses? Yeah, I mean, listen, people see things and they're like, oh, that's an overnight success. Um, whether it's Lokai or another company. I was carrying a display with the product on cart on tags door to door for years, just walking into retail stores saying, Hey, uh, is the manager or owner of the store here? Can I tell them about Lokai? Uh, I got shut down like 99% of the time. Uh, but like that one store I got just fueled me to keep going and, and tell another hundred stores about it. And it just slowly started to grow. Um, and then we were an early D2C brand um, and it just kind of rippled. Yeah, cool. And then did you do many partnerships with 
like celebrities and stuff. Like if you weren't really focusing heavily on um, like Facebook ads or anything at the time, like I'd love to know kind of, although yeah. you were going through every store and getting, you know, the the bracelets into as many retail um, stores as possible. Like, was there any like big win? I always like when I'm talking to other founders, I'm like, I love to hear like, was there like one day that something crazy happened? And, you know, I, I love that, that those kinds of stories. <laughs> yeah. Our, um, our early, Partners were actually charity partners. So Charity Water, uh, Breast Cancer, Make-A-Wish Foundation, Alzheimer's Association. Um, and we really leveraged their charity walks, their communities, their email lists to tell the story about Loci, but the partnership that we had with them. Um, and uh, yeah, it is a real authentic kind of partnership. And I think the story of highs and lows and staying hopeful really resonates with people, especially people going through causes, right? Um, That they're dealing with in their lives. So some of the early stories were the whole family wore the pink loci because their mom had breast cancer or a grandfather was going through Alzheimer's. And so they all rallied and wore the purple one. So uh, those are kind of the early, really um, thoughtful stories that kept us going. That's beautiful. So it's a very unique product. And this is the next kind of thing I want to talk about when we're talking right now to people that I guess might want to start a business someday or just very interested. Um, the importance of creating a unique product in a very saturated market right now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, how do you just like come up with something unique and never been done? And, and why do that compared to just maybe seeing what else other people are doing and maybe doing a copy of that? I'd love to know your thoughts. It's a great question. Um, <laughs> it's a hard one to answer. Yeah. You know, I think um, you have to really ask yourself, are you adding value to the world, to people's lives? Or is your product just another version of a product that already exists that's branded in pastels or uh, a cool design? Um, because I think the listen, our generation, right? And younger generations, I think, are incredibly entrepreneurial, um, way more than generations before us. And that's really created a lot of competition in the market, right? Like, you'll see 10 new cereal brands, and 10 new ice cream brands, and 10 new jewelry brands. So is your product in that market really differentiated enough? And do you really have a moat around yourself that allows you to be different, uh, reach an audience that otherwise wouldn't be reachable, um, and really build your own kind of slice of the pie? Uh, or are you just the same as everyone else in a different brand? Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond, I guess, is that saying, um, for sure. And when it comes to creativity, what if someone thinks that they're not creative. What if someone listening is like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be my own boss. I want to create something meaningful, but I just don't know what that thing is. How would you, what would you say to to someone that lacks clarity? I always like asking this question too, because I feel like so many people struggle with it. Clarity, lack of clarity, not knowing what the next move should be. Yeah. I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to be passionate about whatever you're doing. So to come up with a business, to start a business just because you want to be an entrepreneur, but you aren't passionate about what you're actually building, it will not be successful um, because 
you go through such highs and such lows as an entrepreneur that if you don't have that like deep passion to keep going no matter what, like you'll quit along the way. Yeah. And for me as well, just to add in, when I've felt unclear in my life, like writing really helps me. Like I just get a journal and a pen, ideally a blank journal that's never been written in. And I just like brain dump as much as I can um, and think about, you know, the possibility of creating something um, that I hadn't thought of before. So that's a a really good tip is writing. Um, Do you do any practices like that? What's like your morning routine? Potentially, if you have one, I'd love to know um, for everyone listening that would like to have some insight on an entrepreneur's morning routine or daily healthy habits. Yeah, I try to beat the day. So I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. Uh, Workout is the first thing I do. Um, like I feel like if I wake up and I work out, which is physically hard and I get that hard thing out of the way, check the box. It's like, okay, I've already done that before everyone else gets up. And I feel like I'm ahead versus waking up late and I'm chasing the day and then I'm scrambling to get to my emails. So I kind of take that proactive approach. Um, so up early. Yeah. Was that easy for you always, or did it, was it hard to get into it? No, it's still hard. I love yeah. to sleep. Uh, but but I know like once I get out of bed and brush my teeth, teeth, it just gets easier. But yeah, every day it's hard. Like anyone that says waking up at five in the morning is easy is full of shit. Yeah, it is hard. I did it for a while. Now I'm like six, six thirty, but um I like to get up with the sun. Like I know there's an intensity about getting up five before the sun's even up and it's still dark out, but Um, I've been, I've been slacking a bit, obviously. So, um, but yeah, I'd love to talk about that discipline then. Obviously you're very disciplined if you do that every morning and a lot of people that want to be successful entrepreneurs, like know what they have to do. Um, and they, they just don't do it. So do you have any tips on discipline and actually just sitting down and getting things done and getting out of your head when you know that you need to do something? Yeah. A theme of my life that I've always followed is I really think about, hey, when it's my last day on earth um, and I look back at my life, what are the things that I'm going to be really proud of and glad I spent so much time investing in and what am I going to regret? And so I really look at my day and my week, my year as a pie chart um, and only put things in that I want to spend time on. And so for me, that's family and friends, it's working out and it's work. Um, and my schedule's incredibly detailed. I have time blocked out from 7 to 8 a.m. and then 5 to 7 p.m. that I'm with my kids and my wife. Um, I have my workouts locked in and then the rest of the time I'm working and um, I really try to cut out everything that doesn't fit in one of those buckets. So where did you learn how to think this way? When you were younger, did you read many personal growth books? Like, do you have any mentors? Like, did you, like, where did you learn all this stuff? I just learned it by continuing to do it, trial and error, seeing what worked for me, what didn't work for me, right? Like I think trying to fit someone else's schedule too is not going to work. Everyone's different. Everyone works best at different times of day. Some people are night owls, right? Um, But yeah, for me, I always think about it too as an entrepreneur. It's it's not a one-year sprint, a two-year sprint. Like I'm going to do this for the next 50 years. And so how do I build a schedule that I could do sustainably for the next 50 years? 
Um, so like working till three in the morning and getting three hours of sleep, like that's not sustainable. Um, and so there's always going to be another email to do or another call to set up. Um, but that, then you're just like on this roller coaster of pro- productive some nights and then you wake up in the morning and you can't do anything because you're all exhausted. So mm. um, like I try to really sign off and go to sleep early and uh, follow that schedule. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'd love to talk about the wellness industry because your products are are in the wellness industry. And um, when I was reading my notes earlier, there was a whole point on how you like to talk about that. So how has yeah. the wellness world shifted over the past decade and where do you see it going? Yeah. So we started Elements of Balance, uh, like I said, which is the beverage and supplement line with product first, right? Um, I thought about, hey, we're loci, we're a brand about helping people find balance in their life, more of a mental reminder. How could we do that in a way that actually worked, right? Not just writing, find your balance on a t-shirt. And we learned about how clinical doses of adaptogens have benefits that you can really feel, energy, focus, calm, and sleep. And so for two years, we set out to create four different formulas using clinical studies that have been done. Uh, to prove the doses and the suppliers needed. I think in the industry, there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of people who kind of jump in. Oh, the word adaptogens is really hot right now. Like, let's make an adaptogen product and sprinkle a little bit in um, so we can use the word, right? But at the end of the day, those don't actually work uh, or deliver on the functions that they say they are. And so um, I always believe deeply in the product and the function. And so, um, yeah, we based everything based on science. Um, and like, if you take them, you'll feel the function like 20, 30 minutes later. Cool. Very cool. And did you know much about the consumables industry before getting into that? Cause obviously going from bracelets to consumables, that's a very different ball game. Um, how did you kind of merge between, um, between those and afterwards, I also want to ask you more about like the future of wellness. I'd love to to learn more about that. But um, first, I'll stick with my first question: How was yeah. it to go from two different industries? Hey, um, thoughtful question. I uh, I hired great people that have been in the industry for a very long time. I knew how to build a brand, how to build a team. I know how to run a financial model, um, but I had no idea what the ready to drink beverage logistics and distribution market was, right? That was just something I wasn't familiar with. So um, I made sure to fill my team with my weaknesses. Um, And that's that's really how I uh, got that company going. And um, all of those early people I give equity to um, because I needed them as partners um, to really help teach me and, and run those divisions that I had no experience in. Right. How do you find amazing people? Like I, I'm always looking for people to hire and I'm always looking for unicorns and I have a few unicorns, but I always need more. And I'm like LinkedIn angel list. Like, do you just find them online or do you have like a hack for other founders to find amazing talent? I use recruiters. Okay. Um, I'm always so stubborn to use recruiters. Cause I'm like, I don't want to give you 30 grand. to find I know. I, I know. It's true. Um, they, they are expensive, but 
I think if you find recruiters that you really trust, they do a lot of the heavy lifting for you, um, filtering through people, right? There's some recruiters that will post a job somewhere and send you a hundred applications. Um, there's others that will go through them all and send you one or two of the best. Um, and, and I think it's also just like, you can meet a lot of great people, but, but it just takes experience, um, in how you interview the questions you ask, um, and making sure you hire the right people. So what are some red flags if you're interviewing someone that you wouldn't necessarily know before when you were beginning, but something that now you're like, no, that's an instant no. <laughs> I, I think to, to flip that question, um, I always ask people why they want the job uh, and, and, and why they want to work for loci or elements. And um, I think the, the people who end up being great team members are people who are super passionate about your mission, right? At the end of the day, like that is what you're spreading um, is your mission and your message and your product. And so um, people's capabilities within a role, there might be some discrepancy, but like not that much. I think it's more about the people that are most passionate, want to work the hardest um, and really understand what you're trying to build. So that's a great answer. Passionate people won't be quiet quitting. <laughs> That trend. I don't know if you've heard of it, but I have heard of that. Yeah. That's crazy. And we are we're a fully remote company as well. But yeah, we are, we are so busy that there's no way someone could just disappear here. I think you know, all for it if you want to quiet quit, but just know that you're never going to amount to anything massive in your life if that's your mentality. I really believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I Totally. Like when you go above and beyond, people want to give you more. It doesn't really work the other way around. Like, especially if you're working for a company, you have to prove yourself to get that raise, to get that, um, you know, next position. So I'm definitely not interested in anyone that, that wants to do that. Um, also, also just on that point, it's a small yeah. world. Yeah. Like over the years, the number of people that I have like ran into through someone else, like it's wild. And so I, I always try to burn no bridges and um, just... Yeah, absolutely. You always want a good reputation. Like this person is, you know, trustworthy, hardworking um, for sure. Yeah. And also like just as startup founders, I think it's a very different thing. You know, I have friends that work, you know, in big offices and big, you know, more corporate jobs. And it's a very, very different energy. Like when you're working in a startup, it's like, you're building something really big with a small team. And there is no room to be an average worker in a startup because it really influences the business. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. So bringing it back to my original uh, question, wh what do you see, you know, what do you predict is going to happen in the wellness space in the next decade? Because, you know, it's, it's already changed so much. Um, maybe even if you want to touch on like how you've seen it evolve over the past 10 years um, and where you think it's going, because there's just more and more products and less and less uh, uniqueness or more and more uniqueness when it comes to these products and so much competition, um, less simplicity. I'd love to kind of know your take on that. Yeah, listen, the, the, uh, the health trend continues to grow, right? And I don't think that's stopping anytime soon. Um, I think when the markets get really tough, like they are right now, and people are a lot tighter with their investments, 
uh, and entrepreneurs need to manage their businesses a little bit differently than when it's a, a bull market, I think the product starts to shine, right? I think the wellness products that really make a difference in people's lives will continue to stay and grow and more will join. I think the copycats and the ones that cut corners and try to jump on the trend, but don't really deliver on the promise that they make will will fade away. Yeah. Yeah. So you're predicting that they'll like, I, I, I actually think this recession right now will just clean out all of the businesses that potentially don't have enough value. I don't necessarily want to say that exactly because I'm sure there are businesses out there that hold a lot of value that just, you know, the founders don't know what to do because they have no money. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Yeah. So what's next with your businesses? Like, you know, you mentioned you want to be in this for the next 50 years. Like, are you thinking just as an entrepreneur or like continue to grow the brands that you have for the next many decades? Like what's kind of like, are you interested in selling your businesses one day? Like I'd always like to pick founders brains about that because I think everyone's different uh, when it comes to their goals, the future of that. Uh, what are some of yours? Yeah. I've left all doors open. Uh, I don't want to say like, I'll definitely do this or definitely do that. With Lokai, surprisingly, we're actually getting back to kind of our core. Um, We started to grow a lot by making more product lines, different licenses with Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, all the major sports leagues, um, a lot of other entertainment properties. And what we really learned and realized was hey, people just really want our story about staying humble and hopeful and finding balance in, in their lives. And so like, we continue to cut down the number of SKUs we have year after year after year. And we're really just focused on telling our core brand message better and to more people. Um, and I'm I'm an introvert. Uh, and so like, these, this is like this beginning of me doing podcasts. Like you're one of the first people I've done a podcast with. Oh my gosh. I... Uh, I, I believe that me telling my story and the story of Loki is really going to help it spread. So I'll do whatever it takes for the company. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, I didn't do, I didn't talk about Loki for the last 10 years. Oh my gosh. So now you're coming out of, you know, under the rock and you're ready to share. Yeah. I think it's super inspiring though. And, you know, obviously the companies have done very well and I think, a lot of people want to hear about what it actually takes to to grow it. And if you continue sharing about like the struggles and how you, you know, dealt with adversity at times and how, you know, what worked best when it comes to the growth, like people are going to want to listen. And it's very interesting. I'm, I'm all day long listening to podcasts from other, you know, entrepreneurs and founders trying to learn about like what they did. So I don't mess up maybe on something in the future and it's constant learning. So that's, that's great. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I think just on the, like, what's next? I think if you have the mindset as cheesy as it sounds, like it's about the journey, not the destination. Um, like it truly is that as an entrepreneur. Um, and if you're like, hey, I'm going to build this company to sell it. You're going to be working way longer and way harder than you think to get to that point. And, and then I think when you get there, 
uh, I have friends that have built and exited businesses and like every single one, like no exceptions, like don't ever say when they sold it, it was like the greatest moment. that they Really? They don't say yeah. it was the greatest moment? No, no one does. Really? Oh yeah. my gosh. I always think about like one day, like if and when it happens, like it's just going to be so exciting. Like, <laughs> but I, I guess, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's probably like everything, right? It's like you get a new anything, yeah. you get a new car, you get a new yeah. bag, you get a new whatever. Like for the first 20 minutes, it's exciting, but like that's not going to change like whether you're mentally happy or not, right? For sure. If you yeah. have deeper, deeper things to deal with before that, um, I couldn't agree more. But I will say, I'm a big believer in you create your reality, like no matter what. And I know one of my missions in this life is to teach people that you can have it all. Like I, I and I know it sounds crazy to say you agree okay a lot of people don't agree with me and they're like oh come on like I really think you can have it all and yes of course there are bad things that are going to happen to you in your life and that's normal you're not gonna I don't I didn't say you can have perfection but you can have it all in the sense of you know the career that you want the wealth that you want the relationships you want the health that you want I believe you know if you really really work hard at it and um I I think that you can have it all and I and bring it back to the point. Like I'm, I know there are so many stories of wealthy people that like sell their businesses that are like, Oh, like not even that happy. Like I've, I've met some people that say the same things too, but I kind of want to create my reality. And when that time comes, or if I do even sell a business one day, like I want to really make sure that I enjoy it because I know that if I, if I'm, if I'm, the problem is I'll be happy when, a lot of these people say, I'll be happy once I sell the business and then they sell the business and it's not. So what, if you get over the, I'll be happy when mentality before it happens and you're just always in this state, then yeah. That's a a totally different uh, thing. Yeah. And and I think just to add to your um, comment about like being able to have it all, which I totally agree with you. I think what, what some people don't think about or aren't willing to sacrifice is like, if you want all of those things that you mentioned, you're not scrolling Instagram, you're not watching Netflix at night, like you're not eating the dessert that if you want to be healthy, right? So like you are definitely sacrificing things for other things, right? But you're choosing and deliberate about which ones you want and what you consider to be having it all. Yeah. And, and then you cut everything else out. I do agree with you. And I feel like that mentality, like what you just said, like I'd be like 100% a year or two ago, but I've actually come to a new way of thinking the past like eight months where I'm like a little bit more. And I know you probably agree with me on this too, because your whole brand is about balance. But like, I know that like, if I wanted to have like, you know, a bite of dessert or like, you know, watch TV on the weekends. Like my thing is I watch Netflix with my boyfriend on Friday and Saturday nights, like on the weekends only now, like during the week, no TV, like little things like that, like finding it in places. Um, so to an extent, but obviously the more intense, I actually used to believe like the harder it was, the faster I'll get there. But I'm now again, because I know I'm the creator of my reality. I'm trying this new thing where I'm like, okay, what if it is like effortless? Like, what if it's not as hard 
as I always thought it was. And I feel like I've grown so much more since having that mentality. And like my business has grown so much more since I've kind of like chilled a little bit and like put more of this like inviting energy into it. It's kind of, I don't know how we're going to get, but I really have been just diving into this work of like, your energy creates your life. Like I, what if I can have it all? What if it can be to an extent effortless and just be what I do, but not, not effortless in the sense of not putting a lot of work in effortless in the sense that if I become the kind of person that has what I want, I effortlessly do those things necessary to have it, but it doesn't feel hard because there isn't resistance because I'm not trying to fight the old self. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And, And it's, it's not, you, well, I guess what you said is you're being deliberate though about when you watch Netflix and when you go on True. social media, right? You're not, yeah. you're not watching Netflix every night till three in the morning and no. then waking up exhausted. No, I agree with you though. You can't do that. Yeah. And, and well, maybe you can if you want to have it all and you figure out a way to do it. But I don't believe, I also think too much like screen time and phone time and social totally. media and Netflix, like that is just so damaging in in that in itself like i believe that the less things that you do that are numbing the better um your life becomes so when i say you can have it all if i'm overdoing netflix that actually takes away from having it all cuz i'm not happy and clear minded so it's actually a deterrent so i a lot of people think that that me like if they had no job and they just had unlimited money they'd watch netflix and eat junk food all day like no that wouldn't actually be fulfilling at all like you'd feel like crap so Yeah, there's definitely, you know, some give and take and some balance for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, Well, this has been an awesome conversation, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming on and um, congrats on one of your first podcasts. That's super exciting. And um, where can everyone find you if they want to follow you on Instagram and uh, check you out? Yeah, on Instagram, I'm at Stephen Eisen. uh, And you can just go to lokai.com or elementsofbalance.io for the supplements. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your day and thanks for coming on.